I once heard it said that rest is spiritual warfare. And if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you'll remember that that's one of the points from a couple weeks ago. And we're talking about becoming a group of non-anxious people, not just as individuals, but us as a, as a church. And that thought keeps going through my head that rest is spiritual warfare. And that's been true in my life. I've never been tempted to to yell at my kids or kick a dog. I don't really have a dog. I've never been tempted to lash out in anger when I'm well rested. It's a lot harder to tempt me with some devil's food chocolate cake when I'm full of delicious vegetables. It just, they don't go together, the, the being rested in temptation. And it works in so many different facets of our life. Rest is spiritual warfare. So on our journey to becoming non-anxious people, I want to explore this concept and explore how to do it, particularly under uh, a, a, a laser beam focus uh, area underneath the umbrella of resting as spiritual warfare. One of the ways that we can learn to rest is to, to practice silence in solitude. And and but don't click away. I'm not going to make you like go into the mountains for years and years. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. I I want us to explore how silence and solitude can be something that we practice every day wherever we are in whatever we're doing. Uh, silence and solitude. Yes, there are times where where Christians have been called or or have needed to go away for extended periods of silence and solitude. But I'm thinking that this might be something like an untapped potential to make you and me non-anxious people. So uh, how, how does this happen? Well, these two practices, experiencing silence and practicing solitude, they move us deeper into, uh, think about the temple in the Old Testament, how it had the, the court of Gentiles and these outer courts. And, and the, the further in to the temple you went in the Old Testament, you, the closer you would get to the Holy of Holies. And we have other practices that we have from the life of Jesus of fasting and prayer. And they're, they're kind of external things, uh, you know, having to do with your body. But these, these silence... And solitude, when you practice these, it really gets to like the center of where you're at into your own uh, holy of holies, but where God is at inside of you. What if silence is a way that Jesus builds a temple inside of you and me? What if silence is one of the ways that Jesus transforms us into his temple? I, and I've said it before, but when I think about this concept, my college pastor used to say, we're porta temples. Jesus wants to make us into portable temples of his presence. And one of the ways that, that Jesus does that renovation is, is us practicing silence and solitude. So imagine with me, or put it in the comments below. What's your favorite place to pray or rest? What's your favorite place to, to enjoy your life with God? For some of you, it's inside of a church. Maybe some of you have been on vacation and you went to a, a cathedral in Europe or something and you just feel God's presence there. Uh, some people, uh, go-getters like my wife, it's, it's coffee in the morning with a sunrise. 
uh, the mist on the clouds and the sun shooting through it, that's just, ooh, for her, ooh, that's her sweet spot. Uh, for me, it's Ice House Canyon. On Fridays, oh, I get to drop my kids off and in a couple minutes, I'm on Ice House Canyon with the, the sound of the stream and I, I feel at one, not just with nature, not just in the, the hug the tree kind of a way, but I feel God smiling on me, like deep down inside my DNA. So the goal of practicing on purpose, the goal of silence and solitude is to let Jesus build a place inside of you that you can carry around wherever you go. The goal of putting these practices into your normal rhythm of following Jesus is carrying Jesus with you through everything that you go through. When we do these things, it, it cultivates a place where you can always retreat and rest in Jesus' peace and presence, even in the middle of the chaos of life. This is where the New Testament writers especially write about the peace that passes all understanding. The, the Apostle Paul writes that. That's one of my go-to verses that bring me back into that that temple in my heart. Okay, God, I need your unreasonable peace right now because my circumstances, they ain't peaceful. This, this kind of thing is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15. Famous command Jesus gives, abide in me. Just that, that word, abide, it's the verb form of the noun abode, like a house, your abode, your home, or your dwelling place. I've never thought about that. Abide is the verb form of that. Jesus says, abide in me. Make, make your house my home. In the original language that John wrote that down in, and in common Greek, it's the word meno. And it means to make your home in God and to let God make his home in you. Another way to, to translate that text is, is to come to rest in God and to let God come to rest in you. To, to really rearrange the furniture of your inner life and make it into his holy temple where God's spirit can dwell. Whew, doesn't that just sound so wonderful and, and, uh, and fluffy and warm clouds, all the warm fuzzies, right? And uh, maybe, maybe as you hear my, my voice talking about that, you, you kind of want to go, Jesus, you, you feel like a, a monk, or, or maybe you're going, this is a completely new thing. Well, either way, Please just stick with me for a couple minutes. And, and I want to lay this layer on top of what we just talked about. Because some Bible scholars argue that the book of Genesis, especially the first two chapters, is filled with all of this cosmic temple imagery. You know, God creating the heavens and earth. God is rearranging the universe. But especially in the original language, there's a lot of... There's a lot of temple imagery in there that reminds the, the reader of, of the Jewish temple. And the Eden, some say that the Garden of Eden was created in the middle of a war zone. This is a, a lot of Bible scholars and Old Testament professors. It's their interpretation that, G, that, that God created the Garden of Eden in this world in the middle of a spiritual war with all, this, all these things going on. And it was a safe place for them in Genesis chapter one and two, and that all that God is up to in these two chapters, it's happening in the middle of, of a spiritual war. Now, 
I'm not gonna die on that hill. It's one interpretation. Some people have another, another, another reading of that. But I find this helpful because in our everyday life, that means we could take Jesus with us when we feel like we're in the middle of a war zone. Maybe we are in the middle of a war zone at work or in your neighborhood or in your family or in your culture. This inner temple and this sanctuary is cultivated by getting away and experiencing silence and solitude. And I think these practices are some of the most misunderstood of all the practices that we can take out of Jesus's life or all the spiritual disciplines. Most people think of monks or we think of the the monks in Monty Python uh, just whacking themselves in in the head. But I think this is actually one of the most radical things that we can do uh, that, that will help us live practically so there's this author, Robert Mulholland. Uh, he wrote An Invitation to a Journey. He's one of the, the, the experts on these spiritual practices. And in his book, uh, Invitation to a Journey, he says, the practice of silence is the radical reversal of our cultural tendencies. Silence is bringing ourselves to a point of relinquishing to God our control of our relationship with God. Silence is a reversal of the whole possessing and controlling, grasping dynamic of trying to maintain control of our own existence. Silence is the act of letting go. That's very countercultural, of, of letting go of the circumstances of our life, letting go of the outcomes of the circumstances of our life. It doesn't mean give up. Silence is when we quiet ourselves and we say, okay, God, I give you the results of this. I'm going to trust you no matter what, whether I succeed or fail, whether I climb up or I fall flat on my face. It's that moment where we relinquish control and let God be God, which is probably a good idea, right? So silence and solitude are also misunderstood for for people based on their wiring. Are there any introverts out there? Hello. Hey, me too. You know, sometimes we can think, ooh, I'm going to practice silence and solitude and just get away. And there is a place for that. I need some, I need some me time. I need some time just to, to quiet so I can hear God. And that, there is a time and a place for that. But at some point, the act of going away isn't actually loving to others. There's a line you can cross where it's just loving yourself as a husband, as a father, as, as a leader, as a part of a church community. Yeah, yes, Jesus went away a lot, but he always came, he came back a lot too. So I'm not picking on you introverts as one of you. I'm saying these acts are supposed to rejuvenate us so we can recharge our batteries so we can engage with our families and with our communities and our communities of faith. And extroverts, I'm not gonna let you off the hook. Those of you, uh, silence and solitude aren't optional. I know I'm married to a wonderful, wonderful extrovert. And silence and solitude aren't always, uh, when we were younger, it wasn't a felt need. Now that we have kids, not only is it a real need, but now she feels it too. But extroverts, if, if, if you think this is just an optional thing, you can think, I'm good, let's just keep going. But biblical silence and solitude is more than just downtime for introverts. And it's actually like, a place of preparation. It's a, a place of, of uh, what I'm talking about is the kind of stuff like Jesus in the desert. 
or Paul in Arabia, like preparation to engage. And I think it's interesting that for some of the first Christians, they're called the Desert Fathers and Mothers. Their go-to text for practicing silence and solitude wasn't John 15 that we just read, Abide in Me. Their go-to text for silence and solitude was in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So there we go. Rest is spiritual warfare. Have you ever experienced, have you ever tried this out and experienced the shock of silence? Sometimes, uh, whether it's on purpose or maybe I'm just kind of on autopilot and I get alone with my thoughts and all of a sudden, whew, that old brain, there's a lot of voices going on in there, a lot of negative talk, or maybe I'm having a conversation with somebody and, and my anxiety is manifesting and, well, I'll just give them the whatnot, I'll tell them. Oh, silence is where we, we yes, we want to go and be with God, but also uh, it's where, it's like going into the wilderness to do battle <laughs> with the devil. Have you ever, have you ever been uh, in a place where you're just ready to relax in God, and then it just feels like the devil's there instead. You're like, wait, wait a minute. I just wanted to have a prayer time. Why am I rehearsing all these things that my boss told me two weeks ago in my, in my yearly review? Well, I, I just wanted to relax in God and, and feel the warm fuzzies, but why am, I, why am I remembering this thing that a family member said to me at Thanksgiving? Or why? I just wanted to, to get away and, and, and be rejuvenated by God. Why am I remembering all these fears that I have or all this anxiety that I have, often you even feel like there's like pushback on your soul. That's because silence and solitude, it's where we kind of go into the wilderness and it's the place where we encounter God. But it's also right in the middle of the reality of the circumstances of our lives. There's a, one of my favorite uh, authors about the inner life is Henry Nouwen. And he said, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, it's the place of conversion, the place where the old self dies and the new self is born. So without this kind of break from, from our, our normal routine, we can remain in anxious, adrenaline-filled cycles that we learn from our culture. And Jesus calls us to a different life. Jesus sets the example of a different rhythm to our life, where we can disconnect with, with our, our routine and connect with God. And it's not just to clear our minds and, and reach this. It, it sounds sometimes like I'm talking about mindfulness, meditation, or things like that. What I'm talking about is having a relationship with God to where we can, we can get healing in our life so we can engage better with our day-to-day -day life. And in these places where we, we, we're not just you know, drowning out the pain with whatever it is, Netflix or a bottle of wine or whatever it is people numb out with, like we get away to spend time with the God of the universe who cares for us. He, God knows our deepest fears. God knows what we need before we even knew it and we can get rid of our anger, our hate, you know, without this kind of a, a, a time to, to say, all right, I need a, it's all, I feel like it's a reset button for my life. 
to where I can get away so I'm not in, in bondage to my fears and the worst part of my flesh. Another great thinker, uh, Thomas Merton, he said this, without silence and solitude, we will have nothing to give others. We will communicate to them nothing but the contagion of our own obsessions, aggressiveness, and egocentric ambitions and delusions. So there you have it. Drop the mic, Thomas. We need this. It's good for us, and it's actually good for everybody else. So if we just get stuck using noise in our life to drown out the other noise, it means we're dealing with the symptom and not the actual root of the problem. And the path of becoming like Jesus is learning how to sit there with those thoughts and, and to, to, to hold them up to the truth of the word of God, to, to hold, to sit there and go, I can recognize this is my emotion. And that is a real feeling. But then hold that emotion up to the truth. What does Jesus say about our circumstance? What does Jesus say about our identity? What does Jesus say about our performance or our anger or our deepest fears? It's in those moments that we can let God be with us so, so God can, can turn us into something different. We can, we can, it's almost like taking out the garbage and saying, God, here's my garbage. Uh, I'm going to walk away from it. This is the kind of thing that, that God uses to make us men and women of peace. This is the kind of thing God uses to, to make us more like Jesus and not, not people who are always on, on high alert and, and caught up in that culture of outrage and fear. And it helps us to take a step back from that entire digital industry built to just prey on our fears and our anxieties. God wants to give us the gift of peace. So, so maybe you're interested. Maybe, maybe you're at square one. I'm, I'm not a Jedi level silence and solitude person. I'm, I'm a person stumbling through this because on autopilot, oh my goodness, I'll drown out the noise in my heart or the noise in my mind with a podcast, uh, with, uh, with Netflix or, or just music. But I'm seeing so much benefit to turning that off regular intervals during the day and week and month and throughout the year. So I've got a challenge for you. Now, don't, don't think you have to be an expert at this. But just try it out. And I'm going to give you five ways, not a formula, and it's not even a linear path, but just five aspects uh, to silence and solitude. And the first one is I want to invite you for just one minute to relax. Just chill out. Take a step. Take a, you know, close the door if you have to. Go into a closet. Um, if you're in your office, just plug your ears and scream and it'll clear everybody. Okay, don't do that. I want you to keep your job. But just relax and take a few deep breaths. And it doesn't have to be some, like, I'm dead serious about this. I'm not talking about some Eastern Buddhist meditation thing. I just mean getting you out of fight or flight. And count your breaths. Count to 10. It's like a, one of the most simple things to do. Just relax and detach. Is, is the second aspect. And not, not meaning detached like, mm, I'm, I'm on some other Zen state. I mean, attach your heart to this prayer. Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. So detach from your own will and say, God, I want to attach to your agenda. It's not about complete detachment. 
It's about being moving towards union with what God wants and what God cares about. And look, like, think about what you've been looking at. Whatever you look at, I heard um, one of my favorite guys to listen to these days is John Mark Comer. And he's really big on saying, what you look at shapes you. What do you give your attention to? Are you giving your attention to Jesus? Or are you giving your attention to something else? And, and is your order right in what you look at? Maybe there's something that's perfectly fine, like sports or, or a lot of stuff on uh, TV shows and a lot of movies, they're f- perfectly fine. But if we look at them more than we look at Jesus, something else besides Jesus is forming us. So take a moment out of your day to just shut out the noise and look at Jesus, contemplate his life, look at the Sermon on the Mount, look at a gospel reading, a story from Jesus' life, because something or someone is always forming you. And then listen. We've got relax, detach, look, and listen. This is the posture of a disciple. So many times we see, uh, what was it, Mary and Martha, the one who sat at Jesus' feet, chose what's best. That's the posture of a disciple. We're listening for Jesus. Listen, I've, in, I've never heard an audible voice. I've never heard God audibly, but Jesus is God, created language. So if God created language, God was around before language, that kind of stuff makes my brain hurt. But when I hear from God, when I'm listening, to me, it usually comes in the form of an impression or a gut feeling. And listen, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have to journal and I'll take out a, a pen and paper and I'll write out. Sometimes I'll write out like, okay, if I was God, what would God tell me right now? And sometimes I can tell, whew, I think God's speaking to me through this. Or, or I'll just get a sense of peace as I'm saying, God, I'm here. I'm attached to you. I want to be attached to your will. And I need your help to let go of some things that I'm carrying around that are too heavy for me. Sometimes I'll just get a feeling of peace in that moment. It's almost like an emotional like weight is off of my shoulders. So relax this week. Detach. Maybe even just two, try two or three of these. Relax. Detach. Watch what you're looking at. Listen to Jesus. And last one, I'm a preacher. It's going to be another L. Love. This is the essence of our journey of following Jesus and the journey Jesus wants to take you on. From fear to love, from bondage to freedom. And ask God to give you, a, give you a picture of just how much you're loved. As you read through what scriptures say about your identity and to the links that God has gone to rescue you and me and humanity, we start to, to, to do these obedience type things out of a response to God's love. The scriptures say it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And just uh, take a few moments in the lo- when you're alone and in the quiet to say, God, show me your love. Help me, to, help me to understand that a little bit better. So as you do that, I'd love to hear how it goes for you. What works? What didn't? You can leave it in the comments or you can reach us at sgbic.com and let's practice this together. And another word for all of you perfectionists out there that feel like you have to be some Henry Nouwen or Thomas Merton master of the inner spiritual life. We're just practicing. 
and we're, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this together. But I, I can't wait to see what, we, what God does from the inside out. And if all of us are, are, are focused on this, to see how God can make us a less anxious people when we learn to be comfortable in silence and solitude and watch out when we re-engage, when we're all full of Jesus. So until we're uh, together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, 